you to behold you as my king. I want to be where you are. I want to be where you are. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. That was, um, that was, <laughs> that was some tea, wasn't it, girl? That was some tea. Oh, I mean. you left me, um, yeah, I didn't know. Okay, come on. And you gave good vocals on that, girl. I think that's one of your best vocals on that. And it started yeah. high, too. That's one of the, that's one of the few songs I can really kind of sing a little bit. Like, mm. yeah. Back when I was a little boy, I used to, they used to have me sing R. Kelly all the time, but you know. <laughs> We're not doing that in 2020. R.I.P. R.I.P. His music catalog. R.I.P. his music catalog. When I was a little boy, my cousins and aunties, they used to have me sing Seems Like You're Ready and all that R. Kelly T all the time. They said I used to sing just like him, but yeah, but girl, that's some oh, old wow. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who sings that? this song you just sung? Tamala Mann. That's the gospel girl, you know. Or No, I'm sorry. Tasha Cobb. Tasha Cobb. Tasha Cobb. I'm sorry. I messed up. Tasha Cobb. Tasha, Tasha Cobb. Tasha Cobbs, yeah, Tasha Cobbs. Okay, she's a gospel okay. girl. It's just you know another black gospel girl, that type of tea. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, I can't imagine why you need to go to church in this moment. <laughs> you already um, know. Welcome, <laughs> welcome everyone to a very special edition of Two Safe Queens. Uh, we're taking a break from dick this time and we're gonna be the podcast is all politics as we talk about the passing of the notorious rbg aka supreme court justice ruth bader ginsburg yes um this happened this past friday um uh she died actually i don't have in, in front of me girl um do you know yeah, what she, she died, died of? from um, uh pancreatic cancer you know metastatic pancreatic cancer yes girl pancreatic cancer Mm-hmm. Which she had been fighting. Um, this is what her fourth. I, I fifth, think it's sixth. her. I think it's her fourth battle with cancer. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure she she first mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. was diagnosed with cancer back in 1999, girl, for colon cancer, and it just she's had Oof. colon cancer, pancreatic cancer. Um, she had cancerous growths on her lungs at some point. You know, she's been through a lot, girl. Mm-hmm. She really has. She's had yeah. heart surgery too. Yeah. She was a fighter. She was a fighter. Um but and so, you know, rest in peace. Um, but unfortunately we also have to think about the impact that her death will have on um the Supreme Court system, our country at large, our democracy as we go into the fall, um, because this is still happening under the stewardship of Miss DJT. So girl, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Um, you have a lot of thoughts on this. Um yeah, very yeah. few thoughts because <laughs> I just think I'm a little. <laughs> I have thoughts. It's just, yeah, we, yeah. I, I feel like I gotta hold myself mm-hmm, back because mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes this more depressing than it already is. So I'm gonna um, let you run this girl because this is something that you have been potentially like, like we were trying to get y'all girls ready for the fall with some guns tea. This is something that you have been keeping an eye on for a bit, um, and. I kind of thought that people weren't making a big enough deal about the fact that she has still been on the court. Um, so I'm going to hand it over to you, girl. Yeah, well, you know, actually, thank you, girl. So I mentioned to you months ago, Miss Malachi, that we need to be on call. We need to be ready to do an emergency show 
if RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if she died, I told you that, girl. <laughs> yeah, we were literally like, oh, what happens? Because we were changing the show format, as you know, girls. We kind of got to, you know, trying to be a bit more top or less um, current is a bit more topical. We were like, well, what if something really big happened? We were like, what? What if RBG dies? I was like, well, girl, we got to do a special yeah. edition then. And, so and that's here what it we're is. doing because we're, you know, releasing this on Monday. We're usually Wednesday girls, but releasing this a little bit early. But, um, you know, just going back to her history a little bit, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is definitely a feminist icon and a feminist hero. Um, really, mm-hmm. she argued mm-hmm. the first case before the court where the court ruled in favor of... Um, dismantling gender discrimination and for the first mm-hmm. time they said that the 14th or 14th amendment you know the same one that gives us equal protection of the law on race issues mm-hmm. on sexuality issues but in 1971 in reed versus reed where you had these two parents fighting over the estate of their deceased son um historically like in whatever state that happened in the 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 uh, estate would automatically be managed by the father or the male, a male relative. And they argued, Mm. she argued before the court and won. And they said for the first time that, you know, uh, that basically there cannot be discrimination against the sexes, you know, and between the sexes. Mm. And it's the first time the court had done that really. And that was a huge, huge deal back in 71. And it's important to note that her argument, she was arguing in front of an all male court, an all white male court um like it was really you know at this time like that was a t and ultimately she was able to persuade them to really kind of reevaluate these the ideas of what gender norms have been yeah and i think i think thurgood marshall may have been on the court then yeah he was so he because oh. he oh he was this, oh, a, this court this court case was in 1971 and he entered the court oh, okay he was appointed in 1967 so um, oh, so it was bad. an all male court. Also, just all men. One, so just one all men. black man. Yeah, one black man. Um, <laughs> one black man. But the, the one, one, yeah, for sure. So I mean, so yeah, it was a big, big deal. And in fact, she got a number of victories for you know gender equity and against gender discrimination because in 1975 she argued this case called Weinberger versus uh, Weisenfeld, and she basically she actually represented a man this time who had lost his wife and this man i mean he was way ahead of his time in 1975 he was a stay-at-home dad but then his wife died tragically or unexpectedly she was the breadwinner and he didn't qualify for widowers or widows benefits because he was a man so she are she showed Mm. the court a court of all nine men that gender discrimination hurts men too right that we when we have to Mm. go into these gender roles and these prescribed gender roles that it doesn't just hurt women. It can often hurt men too. Right. Like in this mm-hmm. case, she won mm-hmm. that case also. Mm-hmm. She, she, she has been, you know, long before she was on the court, she was an icon in terms of, uh, an illegal, you know, a legal heavyweight arguing these cases before the court and winning, um, and for gender equity. So, you know, mm-hmm. we have to applaud mm-hmm. her for that. She's only the second woman on the court. Sandra Day O'Connor, Actor, yeah. yeah, Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed by Ronald Reagan in 1981, um, and so she was only the second woman appointed to the court in 1993 by Bill Clinton. Um, Come on, yeah, Bill. and it was actually interesting. I was watching Jake Tapper. We're, we're recording this on Sunday. I was watching Jake Tapper's State of the Union show on CNN earlier this morning, and Bill Clinton was on there. And girl, I gotta say this. Like, I, I want to deviate just a little oh, bit. Lord. You better get props to Bill Clinton again. <laughs> well, no. What it is is like he was looking good. Like the skin was tight. Like he had had some what is some happening? Botox, a facelift. What is happening? <laughs> 
Like, he had a facelift, there's some Botox, there's some fillers or something. He was looking good, but he, like, sounded so old and his disposition was so old. He's getting old. And I was wondering, girl, like, you said we weren't going to talk about dick, but do you think his dick still works, girl? Because he was always a skirt chaser back in the day. Oh, my God. Like, I, I... I don't think it still works. I think that's why he's. Why are you making me think about? Bill I think that's dick why right he's now. at Chappaqua uh, and with Hillary and like he's just done because I don't think that his. I bet you it's. Still I don't works, think his dingling gets hard I mean, anymore. This, I don't. I really don't. I don't. I mean, isn't that what Viagra's for? Yeah, but Viagra doesn't work for every older man. I think it works for a lot, uh, but I think Bill Clinton is done. I think that's why he's. That's why he's gotten shriveled and so old. Even though he looks good, he sounds old. Anyway, because he can't put it, because he can't put it out anymore. It's like, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just shriveled it's just up, shriveled inside. up, and everything. But I think, Ugh, but it's interesting girl. because he talked about he talked about and um, when he appointed Ruth Bader Ginsburg in 1993, and she was appointed. Um, she was actually appointed by the Senate with a 96 uh 96 votes in her favor out of 100 and that's unheard of today because of these hyper these hyper uh partisan times that we're living in yeah yeah now there was a like an interesting footnote on that, that i thought was and I, I don't know if you're gonna touch you touch on it later so feel free to stop me but i think there was interesting you know one of the people who was one of her big proponents was orrin hatch um former republican of utah um and one of the things that i think and we're going to get into some of his critiques about Miss, um, you know, RBG. One of the things was that she was known for being very particular and thoughtful. Like it was, it was said that like you know she was very careful about the words that she chose and would take her time to say things. Um, and just has kind of almost, I think for as much as we think of her as like this liberal light on the Supreme Court system, she also had like. In some, and obviously you spoke to her at the same battle she fought, but there was some conservative aspects to her, especially around the ways in which she felt like, you know, around like Roe v. Wade as an example is something that she felt should have be done, done in more of an incremental way. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that, I mean, I think we'll see that in some of the, I think I'm sure some of the answers she'll bring up of some different aspects to her character, um. But I'll, I'll hand it back to you. But I just thought that was you know, just an interesting little footnote about that. Yes. That there was something that, even though it was less political back then, I think there was still something that, in some ways, they did find appealing about her. They didn't have to worry about her. She was not the most, I don't think she would have been considered the most progressive, aka left person at that time. Um, to have been passed, but yeah, it doesn't take away from her progressive. Well, exactly, and so respects. yeah, definitely, you make a very good point. And in fact, she was like we said, a legal, uh, uh, a lawyer, a legal scholar, uh, a professor of law up until 1980, when Jimmy Carter actually appointed her to uh, the not the district court, but the um, appellate court in D.C., which is usually mm. usually a funnel to the Supreme Court in many instances. Like I think mm. Brett Kavanaugh actually came from from that appellate court and some of the other justices, Sonia Sotomayor came from that appellate court in DC. But um, yeah, but she was on that court on the appellate court for 13 years before being appointed. But I guess, so Bill Clinton was talking about how he was going to appoint this guy named Bruce Babbitt, who was an, a former Arizona governor um, and the interior secretary under Bill Clinton and Orrin. And really, I guess that guy was too liberal, too political, maybe even too progressive, I don't know, but definitely not, the Republicans were not a fan. So Orrin Hatch recommended to Bill Clinton to nominate Justice Ginsburg and Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg instead because he said, you know, she's more of a jurist. Really, I think it was more because she had that incrementalist viewpoint 
of no let's do things in small steps let's not rock the boat too much let's you know win small victories little by little rather than trying to go for like revolutionary tea you yeah. know to be to, and to be and to be fair to like finish the contest for her thing her thinking was like with roe v wade that by doing something incremental you would have less of the pushback that we've seen which is like you know there's been so many challenges to roe v wade and such you know an intense pressure on the court system because of it um but i'm also like maybe we would have never gotten to abortion so it's like who knows like i don't believe in incrementalism but you know it is a fair philosophy for some people to take but yeah yeah i mean and i and i'm kind of like kind of halfway in between I feel like you're kind of in the middle i'm in you're the like middle you some yeah yeah like some things I, i'm incrementalist on some things i'm more revolutionary on i definitely think uh, she might have had a point on abortion because there's just been such pushback since Roe v. Wade was uh, argued, litigated, and decided in, in 1973. And there's been this, been this huge anti-abortion movement and push in the state legislatures to try to like regulate abortion or limit abortion, you know, or make it harder to get an abortion. And she was saying like, if we had gone slightly you know, more incrementalist that, yeah, there wouldn't be as much of that. Like, people by now would have just accepted that abortion was legal and was the law of the land, rather than constantly mm-hmm. trying to overturn it, because it was done overnight in 73. Now, some states had legal abortion, but basically Roe v. Wade made it so every state had to have legal abortion. Um, immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, she was well she was well respected by the Republican Senate, including Orrin Hatch, who recommended her to Bill Clinton, um, but here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. You know, she was on the court in 19... She was appointed in 1993. There's a few things. So she's had a lot of health issues ever since... Six years into her tenure on the court in 1999, she had surgery for early-stage colon cancer, okay? So that was her first bout with cancer, right? And then 10 years later in 2009, she underwent the same process for pancreatic cancer. Then nearly a decade later... Uh, she had two cancerous growths removed from her lung. And then July 2020, she had cancerous lesions on her liver. But we really found out that was all related to pancreatic cancer. Now, pancreatic cancer usually is something that the girls don't beat. Like, usually pancreatic cancer uh, is discovered late because it doesn't have a lot of symptoms. It usually takes people out within months. But a few a few people, mm. a few notable people like Aretha Franklin and Ruth Bader Ginsburg did beat it at least one time. Before mm. having it be a recurrence, because both of them then okay. had a recurrence and then ended up dying, Aretha Franklin and Ruth Bader Ginsburg from pancreatic cancer. So it's a, it's one of those diseases that does, if you do actually win your battle against it, which is rare, it usually comes back, you know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also she had heart surgery in 2014. And what happened was when she had heart surgery on top of all her cancer diagnoses um, in 2014, you know, the girls, the progressive girls, a lot of girls were saying, you know, retire, retire, retire. We're already in Obama's second term. You know, it's very hard. Usually after eight years of a Democratic president, we never get another. I mean, really, if we were thinking about it that way, like, we should have known that Hillary was going to lose because mm-hmm. we had eight years of Obama. Mm-hmm. The white people weren't going to let a Democrat, you know, come in for another four years. I mean, just just politically, it's been known that it's... It, it just switches. There are some people that were like, we know he's not, we know Hillary's not going to win just because it always switches off. Like people just get tired of one side and then switch to the other. Um, and I feel like so. the Republican girls can go 12 years because I think white people, you know, this is a center right country and white people are inherently Republican 
unless they're Democrat, but like generally white people are Republican. Like most white people since the 60s nationwide have voted Republican uh, the majority every single time. So, I mean, just thinking mm-hmm. in terms of that, like we should have known that Democrats never get 12 years. Democrats at most get eight. So, but that being said, they were trying to get her to retire in 2014, a group of legal scholars and progressive activists and other kinds of activists, because they knew the Democrats still had the Senate in 2014 and then lost it during that 2014 midterm cycle. So Harry Reid mm-hmm. of Nevada was the Senate majority leader. And then Mitch McConnell took the reins in 2015 when the Republicans won that majority that year um, in Obama's second term. And so they were already worried about when Mitch McConnell took over, like even while Obama was still president, which lo and behold, we see what he did with Merrick Garland in 2016 while Obama was still president and Merrick mm-hmm. and Mitch McConnell. So like they were right. When they told that girl to retire mm. in 2014 after her heart surgery. Spoiler alert. Spoiler they, those alert. Girls, those girls were right. I mean, and I was, I had been singing that same tune since then, too, that she had the chance to retire after that 2009 bout with cancer in Obama's first term. She didn't take it. She took a chance. He'd get reelected. Okay, he's in his second term. Retire. 2014, you're undergoing heart surgery, girl. Like, we still have a Democratic Senate that they can re- you know, name your replacement. You did 20, 21 years on the court. Retire, girl. And she didn't do it. She didn't do it. So it feels like this is a moment to bring up, like, why do you think she didn't do it? I have an idea. Well, well I'm, do you want me to go first or you want to go first? <laughs> uh, I, let me go first on this. Let me go first on yeah, this. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I, there are a few reasons, I think. One is, I think mm-hmm. she she did think, like a lot of people, she did think Hillary was going to win. And she wanted mm-hmm. a woman president mm-hmm. to name her replacement. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's one thing in 2016. I think yeah. the second thing is she didn't want to be forced off the court because men are not forced off the court. So she thought that was sexist or, you know, which is inherently anti Hmm. what she fought for earlier in her life. So I think she thought that was very a gendered argument for her to retire based on health issues because they rarely call on men to retire. But Hmm. I also, so in that way, then I also think it was ego. I think she was Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, why I think she just had an inflated view of, I mean, she definitely was an important woman, but I think she had an inflated view of like her importance versus the importance of the republic and mm. and democrat. I mean, like and you know democracy in the republic and civil liberties and civil rights. Mm-hmm. I do. So, what are your reasons, girl? What do you think, I, girl? I mean, you took it. That was it. Like, I I can't even say it better. Like, it was that. Um, I think she wanted to see Hillary. She wanted to see both a woman president and then a woman president replace her. Probably, I bet with another woman. Um. And then I I think that ego point, I think there's still, and this is, you know, my larger critique of just certain types of political establishment figures today is like, they still are still playing by old rules. Yes. And like, it's you know, Miss Ruth, she was coming out of depression too. Like she has lived, a, I mean, she was what, in her 80s, in her 80s. Yeah. Like she has lived a life through very different type, very different times of our country and ultimately though i think having seen that i think landed her in a sort of idealism and a certain type of optimism that i think is only really afforded to white people and white people of a certain age that those of us who are a bit more realist or of other um, backgrounds just don't can't believe in 
And I think just even from that statement that she made when she passed and that you're going to her legacy next, you know, she talked about the fact that she would hope that, you know, they would not replace her immediately. And I'm like, girl, or that the new, at the, or that the next president would replace her. That they would, yeah, the next uh, president. Yeah. Sorry, let me, yeah, that the next president would replace her. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, it just felt like, where have you been? Y'all don't know how uh, gangster Miss Mitch McConnell is. Like, that girl, the fat, like, the moment when I saw, when I knew what happened with Merrick Garland, I was just like, this is it. Like, y'all messed up with this one. Like, y'all still thought, thought y'all thought you were playing by old rules. And I just don't, I mean, I'm sure what you touch on, but it's like whether how they're going to resolve this or where this is going to go. That's probably like the last thing we'll touch on. But I don't know that those girls have it in them, The de- by girls, I mean, like the Democratic side, to do what the Republicans do. Because they just, they. I feel like if, had it been a Republican judge, they would have retired. Because I think they just yes. think about Oh, just like Kennedy. Great, Kennedy retired, yeah. like, to get Brett Kavanaugh on the court. Kevin, Kennedy retired, like... They're, the Republican, uh, the Republicans are just way more ruthless. They're just and more strategic in lo- formation. In formation, yeah, they're just yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, strategic is a better one. But you know, I love a good Beyonce reference. But they're just more in line. Like they just, it just do- they just are more politically collectively aligned about what. It's not about you. It's about our agenda. Our greater conservative slash Republican agenda, and let and let's remind the one gr- piece of that. Yeah, definitely. Let's remind the girls. Merrick Garland. He was. He's a appellate court judge, I believe, too, who was nominated by President Obama. He's a very moderate, you know, judge. It was almost like a compromise. I think Obama actually should have nominated a black woman or someone mm-hmm. like to galvanize the progressive or liberal base, like. Like because what happened was uh because anti- that even made me as yeah sorry like, go ahead go ahead. Show. No, I was just going to say like that because it felt like, girl, this is it. This is your last. And it's like, this is who you pick? Cause even just someone of color. We were just like, oh, he's going to give us me someone. But it just felt like, and I get it, the politics of the time. Like, there was still, we'll leave that for Obama. But there was still, I think, Obama was still trying to work with Republicans. And I think that his nomination, Merrick Garland, was an indication of that, in my in my opinion. Yeah, because Merrick Garland is very much a moderate Democratic, you know, a moder- a moderate judge appointed by a democratic president prior probably clinton but uh i have to look that up but that that being said merrick garland you know when antonin scalia one of the most conservative member of the court you know died uh, suddenly in 2016 i think of a heart supposedly a queen oh yeah i could see that i've heard that too but yeah when he died in 2016 um, and early in 2016, like basically like nine months before the election, right? And so I think I think maybe even you know January, February, March kind of tea. Mitch McConnell held it up and said, "Oh, the next president should decide, you know, who gets appointed in that seat, and we're going to hold it up, and our our Republican Senate is going to hold it up and not let Obama appoint this, you know, this judge or this uh, Supreme Court justice because you know we have an election coming up." Right, and everyone's like, "This is unprecedented. This never happened." And guess what? They did it. Yeah, they sure did. They got it done. They sure. And they did. got Miss Um, was it Neil Gorsuch? Is that the yeah, one? Yeah, Neil Gorsuch was the one who ended up yeah. getting that spot that should have that belonged to Merrick Garland. But you know, I think had Obama chosen a black female justice, or if he had chosen, you know, someone that the progressives and liberals could have really rallied behind, it would have gotten more girls to come out and vote in twenty sixteen. I think that was a huge mistake on Obama's part to nominate a moderate as some kind of like 
compromise with the Republicans because the girls, the Republican girls, are not working with you. Like they don't, they don't fuck with us. Nope. They don't fuck with you. They don't fuck with that. You know, you as a black man, Mister President, they don't fuck with any of this. Like they're gonna do what they're gonna do. So you need to do what you mm-hmm. need to do. So now though, now we're we're much closer to the election in an election year. And Mitch McConnell is saying, oh, well, you know, of course, President Trump should have this opportunity to appoint a justice because both the White House and the Senate are the same party. And that was not the case in 2016 when Obama was a Democrat and we had a Republican Senate. So, of course, we're going to push somebody through, you know, all that type of hypocritical bullshit. And and literally motherfuckers are voting already. Like people were lining up in Virginia and Montana and a few other states to vote already. Like we are in the election. Girls are girls are lined up in Virginia for three mm-hmm. hours to vote or more. Mm-hmm. So like we're voting right now. So you're gonna go ahead. She died on a Friday, and I think early voting started on that Friday. So mm. I mean, I'm just like, what a slap in the face, and they do not care, girl. They are going to. I mean, Miss DJT's already said like she's like he's like oh we should be able to get this through like he's he's like we should get this done tomorrow. He's like he said it's gonna be a woman, so of course I know they're gonna cater to like. Well, cater. I mean, it's fair, a fair cater, but it's like, of course, it's like, see, so when the progressive girls kind of attack it, they're like, but we're being diverse and inclusive. We're nominating a woman. How dare you see how they are? <laughs> they're, oh, they're definitely uh, going to do that. And not only that, not only that, what they're going to do, um, they have a few options. So, um, yeah, they're going to say that we're like sexist and targeting a woman. They're going to try to flip our own arguments on us as liberals and progressives. Um, and then, but so the saving grace is, of course, there's a few Republican senators who are pro-choice, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, and obviously we cannot count on those girls. They said they, they don't, they, they don't think that a nominee should go forward, but they have not said that they won't vote for the nominee Mm. if that nominee goes forward. (laughs) Um, but one of the things that the Trump girls might do, so there's two girls they're considering, uh, at least two girls they're considering, or two women, I should say, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who's a hardcore Republican, like judicial activist type, Catholic, pro-life, written a lot of pieces about pro-life and being anti-abortion she has seven kids two of them adopted i think two black kids so that makes her very you know attractive to the republican girls because they can use you know all that tokenism got a couple angles there then there's a cuban-american woman a latina out of miami uh barbara lagoa who's also you know cubans tend to be republicans and vote Republican and be conservative out of Miami, especially. And they could say, oh, well, this is a Latina woman. This is a woman of color and you guys are opposing her. So like, she's a decent bet too. She's a decent bet as is Amy Coney Barrett, who's the favorite of a lot of conservatives. Um, And yeah, that's just where we're at. I mean, um, the, you know, yeah, what do you, I mean, I think though the Republicans definitely, they're going to, they, they're really in a position right now, like Mitch McConnell, and he's Mitch McConnell. Actually, I'm not going to say he doesn't care if Donald Trump loses the election, but Mitch McConnell is definitely more concerned about the Senate. So he's he wants to hold on to a Republican Senate more than anything, even if if Donald Trump won the election or lost the election, rather. The uh, that's all he he that's what he cares about most. Trump is secondary, like. And so, so, yeah. So, sorry, I want to let you finish. Yeah, so, my, so what I'm saying here is he's playing, he's like, okay, do I want to control the court for a generation? 
um, which I do, of course, or do I want to win the Senate again? And I think Mitch McConnell is taking the gamble like, okay, if the liberal and the progressive girls get really activated, you know, they have raised $100 million since RBG died, like for various progressive groups and Senate races. Uh, But if I lose the Senate, it might actually be worth it to get another justice in Mm. there and to transform you know, this country for 50 plus years, like that, that gamble is worth it for those girls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- so, and, th- and that's where I fall to that side where I think that I, do- I don't think the Senate is what matters most. I think, I think he, again, they are focused on the agenda and I think the courts have been the agenda since Roe v. Like the courts have been the agenda for every Republican president, Reagan, Bush. Like it has always been about the courts. Yes. And I think we, in this moment, we've seen more than ever that literally the only thing that has held Trump back has been the courts. So without the courts, where would we be? And I think that has been the goal. I, you know, it even kind of came up when I was talking, when we were on doing one of our global episodes, talking about like Poland of all places and talking about how, the priority for their prime minister was the courts. Um, and I think why I ultimately think that McConnell's more focused on the courts than even the Senate is looking at the track record of what has happened since Ms. DJT has been in office. She has appointed the second most federal judges. So she's at 216 as of September. It was 170 over the summer, by the way. So they've literally been pushing through these judges. And how it works, for, you know, it's something I don't always think about. It's like basically Trump would appoint a judge but they need to be confirmed by the Senate. Right, girl? Am I getting that right? Yeah, you're getting it right. Um, you're right. Yeah. So that means that, so they're working in conjunction and there's been times when they've been doing this shit even when it's during recess, even when the Dems aren't even there because they have the they have the votes. So they don't need to even wait. They don't care about it. They fuck it. They don't need them. So he's already done the second most federal judges and with the potential to pass Jimmy Carter, who has done the most at 228. So there's the potential by the end of the year for Trump to have done the most federal judges. In the appeals court, and uh, sometimes we don't like. I don't. Oh, I always hear appeals court, but I never think about it. So we think about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court only sees, on um, thinking about the amount of cases that happen in our country, the Supreme Court sees very few. Like, I think it's like two percent or something. The the majority of cases that get seen are actually happen during the appeals court, and the appeals court is where, you know, thinking about on the federal level that like basically where things get challenged okay and appeals courts um i think there's like about 179 i think appointees but the areas that appeals court cover are millions of people that, that's such an impact that that court has so thinking about going back to cgt generally for presidents the median amount amount of justices or judges that they um get on the court is 32 trump has already done 51 um Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you just have to think about it. It goes district courts. Appeals court is where you can appeal the district court rulings, mm-hmm. and they have so much power. And then the appeals court leads right to the Supreme Court. Like, that's right mm-hmm. under the Supreme Court, the appeals court. And, and then that's the last one I want to mention with Miss TJT doing two. She's already had two justices. That puts her on tie with Obama, Clinton, and Bush, who also appointed two people. And if she gets to, R, you know, RBG, that'll be her third. That will put her at the most. So I think... I think before this happened, I think, the, and, the, and I think this was something that Ms. RBG talked about, what she called this presidency an aberration. And I think that with her death, that's no longer the case. Because even I had kind of kept up this optimism that maybe this is just, this is a, this is a big stumble. It's a big stumble. No lie. Like, this is a, you know, democracy girl. Like, the, 
we're not going to, we could rattle on for days all of the ways that unprecedented things that have happened that no other president get away with and that have really shaken the foundation that will still already take time to recover. But it still felt like, oh yeah, Trump will go down. It's like one of the worst presidents. But I think that with his effect on the courts, with the fact that, you know, I was just reading just to prep for the show an article about an appeals court justice who literally got a not qualified um, rating by the Bar Association was still able to get through and become an appeals court judge and that so many of these people have values around you know anti-abortion around discrimination around all these things that fit in with the conservative values fit in with republican values that ultimately i think that if he gets to replace his third justice and already whether or not he gets to replace the third justice i still think he probably will but we'll get into that um but already with all these justices that he's put appointed will make him impactful because even with these federal justices with these federal justices, these are lifetime appointees in the same way as the Supreme Court. So these are people who are going to shape our culture, shape cases. Um, like, you know, thinking about with Black Lives Matters, with the ways in which some of these states are like doing retribution where they're forcing like protesters who got arrested can't vote. Like that, that stuff, the only way those stuff, that stuff that gets positioned by like, you know, assemblies um, and um, lawmakers, the only way that stuff gets challenged is in the fucking courts. And the fact that he has done so much and they just push this through, I think they have realized in a way that Democrats haven't. And I think there's a critique you say, girl, about how sometimes we get stuck on certain things. And I think, I'm not gonna say, I, I'm not gonna, you know, it's a, I, I get the progressive philosophy of like, you know, let's why, again, like I said, I'm not incrementalist girl, but I think there are ways in which I think sometimes we get so stuck that even for, I think the more moderate of us, we miss the ball. And I think the conservatives have realized that ultimately the, the part of our state and our government has the most power and impact on our, our lives and culture and the state, the United States it are the courts. And that if you control the courts, you control so much of what will happen in our country. Um, and I think about that in terms of like, you know, some Supreme Court tea that I always still think about. And now we can probably kind of get into like whether you think this will happen or not. But I think about like the Hobby Lobby ruling about that it protects for-profit corporations to be exempt from regulations if like, you know, they have religious objection to it. Like that's something the Supreme Court upheld. Like, think about that. I think about, like, you know, Citizens United. Like, you know, corporations are people. Um, I mean, I think you... I don't remember if you mentioned it um, a little tired. But, but I mean, talking about, like, how the voters Voting Rights Act has been gutted. Like, there's so many... And not, now we're getting to this election. Like, there's so many things that just the courts have impact on. And I feel like this is a real moment, I think. Um, yeah, I totally but, agree. I yeah. think... Yeah, I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg really, by not retiring back in 2014... <laughs> Take it back, girl. you like, she fucked it up. She, she fucked, fucked it up. up. She fucked up. <laughs> like... I, p- girls are like, you know, it was bothering me because a couple girls asked me like, oh, why haven't you posted anything for RBG on your personal pages? Cause you know, I, I post pretty prolifically or why don't you, why haven't you posted anything on, you know, the two safe Queens pages and girl, I'm like, no, cause I was fucking mad. I was mad. And you, you were in a group text with me, Miss Malachi, where I went off. Cause I'm like, I was fucking mad. She fucked up. And, you know, and honestly, I think her entire legacy is at stake. She really messed up. And I, and, and so here's a couple, like, one of the issues on November 10th, a week after the election, the Supreme Court is going to be hearing arguments about dismantling the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, abortion rights are really on the line. Roe v. Wade is not really settled law. The Republican girls could definitely 
overturn that. Some states would outlaw abortion overnight. We would have a hodgepodge of abortion laws all over the country. Affirmative action is done. The Republican girls have been trying to get rid of affirmative action uh, at the private college level, like the Ivy, you know, the Ivy League University we went to, girl. A lot of state schools, mm-hmm. it's already done because states have already barred affirmative action, but. Um, the other states where it hasn't been barred, like it's an issue, you know, uh, in employment, you know, affirmative action, which is very important to creation of a black middle and upper middle income, uh, group of people or a black middle class, like that is done. Uh, we are in trouble. And I think what's interesting. And yeah, do you think, do you think marriage equality is on there? I, I think marriage equality is a little too recent. I think in 2015, is like that feels too recent for them to come back okay. and rule on. I was trying to wonder if I should tell the girls. Like I have some girls who like, you know, they've been with their partners a bit. I was like, girl, you know what it's time for? I'm trying to get that ring, girl. And we're still <laughs> and we're still in the Roberts Court, and the Roberts Court is the one who decided that in twenty fifteen. And I think yeah. actually, believe it or not, I do think RBG, one other reason she may not have retired in twenty fourteen is she knew that marriage equality was coming before the court in that cycle. And I think she wanted to be a part of the ruling in favor of marriage equality, which she did get, but at what cost? Mm. At what cost? You could have mm. let a you. I mean, you're that is part of your legacy still, even if you had retired by then. Like, mm. yeah, definitely, another girl would have taken your place, a Democratic girl, but who would have ruled the right the right way? Also, I think that wasn't worth it. I think you fucked up. Yeah, and uh, granted, R.I.P. <laughs> to her, rest in peace. But I really was pissed. I was pissed because I knew this moment was coming. And I warned you. I warned you. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there's some other. I mean, I think she's been um i think there's also just a way in which sometimes people not even well not even not eulogize like after she did but like lift up i can't think of the word sorry girls my sleep schedule has been fucked up but um just the way the girls kind of lift up um certain political figures and how the dangers of that and i think there's been other kind of problematic tea you know i kind of was talking about her incrementalism but there's been other stuff that i think you can see those, you know, undercurrents of that. I think you noted, girl, um, around some of her politics herself. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, she said about Colin Ka- Kaepernick. I think it's dumb and disrespectful that he's kneeling dur- for, during the national anthem at first. Now she did retract it. She apologized for it, not for the substance of the comment, but just that she shouldn't yeah. have said it. And so I, I, I definitely took some pause on that. I was like, girl, what? Like you're supposed to be. This- and she talked about how she was like, "Oh, I just wasn't aware of it." But there were other things where she was like, she seemed to be aware of stuff. And I'm like, "Were you really not aware of the context in which he was kneeling?" Mm. And she also, you know, on top of that, okay, so that was one thing. But the fact that since 1993, since she's been on the court, on the high court, in the Supreme Court, she has literally only had one block lo- black law clerk, black law clerk, and that's a big deal because. Being a Supreme Court clerk is, like, a way of getting into, like, top firms, like, having, like, the best legal jobs. And if you, you're supposed to be this liberal progressive icon, but you have one block black law clerk in, you know, 20, over 25 years, like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm curious if she's had other clerks of color. I, I'm, I would imagine so, but, like, I mean, I'm just, like... But still, though, we're talking about black. <laughs> yeah, and even that, I mean, I bet you that there's a possibility that that has been limited, yeah, too. Yeah, we know that's not. I mean, that's probably been limited, too. Yeah. I, I can't say that for sure that she's had a bunch of Latinx or or Asian, we just, like, we or know. Native American. We just know. Yeah. We just know. I mean, because, I mean, honestly, because I, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, in, in the history, right, like, black people, we're, like, the most, we're the most visible minority group in terms of like our numbers i mean latinx people are 
more plentiful than us, but in terms of us being visibly uh, POC, like we're the the largest, most visible minority in that particular way, especially back in the 90s and prior, right? I mean, Mm. Latinx people only surpassed us in probably the 2000s or 2010s. So I'm just saying like for her to have one black law clerk in all these years is unacceptable. And um, Mm. she's also had some problematic rulings like in favor of the Appalachian Appalachian uh, pipeline, which a lot of Native Americans opposed, um, mm. and you know so- Sonia Sotomayor and some of the other liberals on the court ruled against, but she went with the Republicans and ruled on behalf of the mm. pipeline against Native Native Americans. Um, and now I will say this: I think that, but actually, I did look up today, like what the Native American community is saying about her death, and they're actually still very much, you know, mourning her. You know, she definitely was a part of this more recent verdict, uh, McGirt versus Oklahoma, that ruled Mm. that much of eastern Oklahoma remains Native land. And she was definitely a big part of that um, victory for the Native American community, as well as, you know, when the Voting Rights Act was gutted in 2013 by the Roberts Court, Mm. she wrote a stinging dissent of the the other side. And Shelby, Shelby County versus Eric Holder versus Holder. And um, so she's definitely, you know, for the most part, definitely been on the right side of things. Obviously, there's some times where she's had some problematic tea, but I think it shows us that we can't really lionize and deify any particular political figure. I mean, AOC, for me, honestly, she hasn't done any any wrong to me yet. I'm sure she has done some things that aren't tactically perfect. But she's always on point in terms of her like mm-hmm. politics and her beliefs. But, but she might fail I mean, us just a at self-aware. Some point. She might fail us at some. She point, might. You know? But I also think she's a, there's a self-awareness there because she literally, you know, I know you have reposted every scene to our timeline. Her talking about of all things that you're not voting for Biden, you're voting for the chorus, you're voting for these things. But she was basically in that same you know video, and she was talking about how like no one person can fix everything. Like she like, and I think that's the self-awareness that someone with an ego won't have because they would have an outsized idea of their importance. And I think that's one of the good things about AOC is she says, it's not about me. It's not about the next president. It's not about, you know, Bernie or Elizabeth Warren. It's about all of us. It's about us as citizens, us as people to make things change and make our government and our country work for us. Yeah, Um, because she is only one person. I think maybe that kind of self-awareness comes with, you know, therapy and maybe millennial and generation. Yeah, I think generation Z kind of tea. That maybe not. That's maybe not boomer and silent generation kind of tea to be that. I mean, we've also seen. I think part of us. We've also seen the failures of our parents, the failures of their of their kind of self interest. Like, why are we still renting while you all own these buildings? Like this kind of generation that is just focused on themselves. We've seen where it fails, and we continue to see it where we're in this pandemic right now. Um, and it feels like we're all, it's every person for themselves, but we're kind of trying to move away from that um, because any of us could be that person on the street if you only have enough rent for a month. <laughs> so, um, and there's a couple, you know, in the, in the one thing too, like, I like, cause they like, you know, you have Ruth Bader Ginsburg is all over t-shirts and tote bags and she celebrated as a liberal progressive icon and she is in many ways. Right. But I always said like Sonia Sotomayor is the person that people think RBG was. Like, she is actually, like, almost always, I mean, always on the right side of things. Like, she mm-hmm. she is the more stinging 
uh, progressive on the court and, you know, mm-hmm. writes these very stinging dissents and is very, you know, very much so more activist uh, in specific ways. And she's a woman of color. She's a Latina. And mm-hmm. I just feel like, I feel like we got to give her props. Like, I, I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to deify anyone, but that's, that's the girl I hold down the most mm-hmm. on the court, like, is Sonia Sotomayor, yeah. for sure. I mean, because I think being on the conservative court, definitely, not to say that everything you say is absolutely right, but I think also just being, you know, a lot of the work that RBG did, as I think you put it really great offline, was like, before she even got to like the Supreme Court, and then in some ways she's been hampered or been restrained by being on a more conservative leaning court. Um, yeah, but I, but girl, I think we should get into like, well, what, what the, what's next? What the solution? Like, yeah, I, I do want to, I do. Before we get right to next, next, I want to say one thing about what you just said. It's very, it's okay. very much true. It's the same <laughs> thing that happened to Thurgood Marshall. Like he obviously, uh, he was the man who advocated, uh, and was the litigator for Brown versus the Board of Education, which got rid of the separate but equal doctrine in 1954. He became a huge heavyweight legally for civil rights and justice, uh, got on the court, couldn't do nearly as much on a conservative court as he did as a litigator prior to being a justice. So mm-hmm. same thing mm-hmm. happened to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah. She, she argued all those gender discrimination cases. She won before the court, but once she got on the court, she was constrained by being in the minority on a mm. conservative court. So that's that's some tea. But so solutions tea, is that what you want, girl? You want us to give some solutions? Is that what it is? I mean personally, I think he's gonna get that justice on. Um because I don't think the Dem girls are strong enough to fight like the Republicans did. Um so I think I'm trying to figure out where I'm moving next. <laughs> but but yeah. um well, yeah girl, give up your optimism, girl. I'm depression. So give yeah. us <laughs> Give us hope yes. of what the strategies are. I've heard different things from the fact that stuff down the line that I think is totally pie in the sky of, oh, we'll just add more justices to the fact that those swing voters, uh, okay, the Senate swing votes, um, like Susan Collins and, you know, people have been talking a lot about Lindsey Graham, but yeah, what do you think, girl? Yeah, so I, so what you're talking about in terms of adding more justices, that's called court backing. And that is what a lot of the scholars, the the liberal legal scholars, are saying is the solution. Like, if if Trump does get this justice on the court, which he likely will, I think I think I think you're right. I think he will. What there's what legal scholars are saying. Okay, so that'll actually mobilize a progressive and liberal va- base who maybe wasn't super motivated to come out and vote for Biden mm-hmm. or even Biden Harris because she was you know a prosecutor and has that history and so. You know, the Bernie girls, the former Jill Stein girls, a lot of them maybe weren't planning to vote in this election. I think this could get them to come out and vote. This And it, it will rally some conservatives, but for more, for sure, it's going to rally a lot more progressives and liberals. And I think with that energy, we very well, very well might win the Senate. Uh, we probably will if he gets this justice in, I think, um, before the election or even tries to get this justice in before the election. And what that means is that we can eliminate the filibuster, which basically says, you know, you have to have 60 justices for a Supreme Court justice. Mitch McConnell, in some capacity, has already gotten rid of that. Harry Reid, before him as a Democrat, got rid of it for lower level judges. You mean 60, ju- 60 senators? Not 60, 60, I'm sorry, right? 60, 60, 60 senators, right, to uh, to end debate on whether to vote for a right. justice. But right. that Mitch McConnell has gotten rid of that. So the... The Democratic majority, they're saying, should get rid of the Senate filibuster in general. Okay, well, number one. Number two, obviously, 
packing the court means adding more justices. You know, we originally only had six. Uh, they moved it to nine. Now, FDR, mm. FDR tried to pack the court when during the New Deal because a lot of his stuff was getting blocked by the courts. A lot of his progressive, you know, economic plans and uh, policies were being blocked by the courts. And he threatened to pack the court. And that actually backfired against him because, you know, a lot of moderate Democrats and whatnot said, oh, no, well, we don't want to be involved in adding more justices to the court because he wanted to add like between 13 and 15. Um, but I think now in the era that we're in now that if Biden was open to that and he doesn't sound super open to it, but I think he might change his mind on that. I think that that could change some things if we can get, uh, 13 to 15 justices total and rather than just relying on this group of nine. And so 13 to 15 Supreme Court justices. Yeah. So adding, adding four to six more justices. Yes. Yes. I just feel like in deep the way of this too is supposed to be depoliticizing the court so basically choosing them not completely you know but trying to depoliticize the court and not make it so you know do or die in terms of like the numbers but it won't that won't really work out that way it will still be politicized for sure I well yeah that part because of course the other republicans will be like oh you're political you're politicizing it when like also they they'll they'll count the numbers they'll be like okay well there's 13 now we're going to make sure we always have seven you know like they'll right. do that that's what the But girl- I just don't that just doesn't I just think like that that, that feels that sounds just like the idea like oh we're going to do away with the electoral college cuz they talked about changing the supreme court back with the Merrick Garland tea was happening I just think we are just, we don't have ambitious leaders on the Democratic side to truly push that kind of stuff forward. Well, the electoral, so here's here's one fundamental difference between them. And I, okay. I am going to correct yeah, you please do. Because for me, it sounds like the same kind of it, it, pie in the sky. It's the deck. same idea in a way, but the electoral college would require revising and making an amendment to the Constitution, which requires either three-fourths of... The legislature right. or uh, no two thirds of the, the Congress or three fourths of state legislatures. That mm-hmm. would be a nearly impossible task as the politics are right now. However, however, the, but the, the Constitution only says that there has to be a Supreme Court. It does not specify how many justices there have to be. So we don't have to ah. amend the con- we don't have to amend the Constitution to change the number of justices, all we do is have to pass legislation by having both the White House uh, and both houses of Congress. And we could add justices just via legislation. It doesn't even have to happen via a constitutional amendment. Okay. Yes. It still feels in the clouds for me, a little lower to the ground. Like I can almost kind of see the ground, but it still feels like it's in the sky. But you but are going I to guess gag. We'll see. You are going to okay, gag. Yes. I, uh-huh. This is a surprise I had for you. I told you ahead of time I had a surprise for you. Uh-huh. Because this is generally something that a lot of progressives, like and progressive legal scholars, advocate is this packing oh, the court. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. something FDR, who's probably the most progressive president in history, minus the Japanese internment, because we know that was some fucked up shit, right? And he but, was also. No, racist. In ra- like, yeah. Um, well, all those white presidents. But, but progressive then. in terms of like actual economic policy and whatnot. Yeah, right? But he did that. Yes. Guess who is the biggest, guess who was the biggest proponent of adding justices to the court and packing the court out of all the presidential candidates? Guess who it was? Out of all the presidents. Is this a current? It's out of all it the It was a Democratic candidate. presidential candidate, girl. From this cycle, from the 2020 presidential From this cycle. From the 2020 presidential campaign cycle, lost the primaries. You're, who do you think was the biggest proponent of packing the courts? P. 
Pete Buttigieg. Yes, girl. Yes. I knew it. Yeah. I think I maybe also remembered something about him. Actually, I do remember. He's actually talked a lot about the courts. Yes. Wow. And so he yes. and the girls thought, you know, he's generally a moderate girl, a somewhat problematic white queen I, in specific yeah. ways, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's not really a, like a like a, a social justice pro-black kind of white queen at all. Um, very moderate, very like respectability type with her little like, you know, little picturesque white picket fence, white husband and that type of team. Jason's cute. He's, He's cute. Fine. He's I'd, nice. I'd hang yeah. out with him. I'd go, go get drinks with her. Yeah. But I, what, what I will say is that that girl was the main one in the 2020 mm-hmm. cycle who was talking about we need to change the number of justices. And everybody thought that was so radical. Like that, everyone thought that was the most mm-hmm. radical thing in the world. It actually... Like for her, that is a very radical type of tea. Yeah. Why do you? What do you remember? Why she? I can't remember why. I can't. Sorry. Well, she, I can't remember she, why she was. was saying she it. was trying to do it on some moderate type of tea, though. She wants to depoliticize the courts. Right. She wants to depolit. So it's not like because she's angry about Merrick Garland. <laughs> or, no, man. Or she it, she was, but like that wasn't her main point. She wants to depoliticize the courts. She doesn't think that politics belong so much in the courts. Yes. And that was yes. her. And they have definitely gotten more political. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think, you know, for the most part, I will say as far as RBG's legacy, she did some amazing things before her tenure in the Supreme Court. She did some amazing things on the Supreme Court. Uh, Her legacy, her feminist legacy really, to me, you know, extends long before she was on the court. Uh, I really respect what she did on voting rights with the 2013 ruling and writing that amazing dissent on behalf of, you know, uh, black voting rights in Southern states. But I will say this. I think she, if we don't pack, fucked up. she <laughs> fucked up. And I think if we don't, you know, RIP, she's going to be probably, she might've even been buried by now because she, you know, in a Jewish burial ceremony, which usually happens very soon after death. Right. I don't, but, um, what I will say, I'm not sure if that was the case, but I, my, my guess is it is the case. But what I will say is this, I think that she, if we don't get to pack these courts, if Biden doesn't win, uh, and we don't win the Senate and we don't get to, if we don't even, if we, if we either don't get to appoint her replacement or don't get to pack the courts afterwards, she fucked up her legacy and, and I respect her, but she's not someone I'll be hollering, you know, on behalf of and celebrating. Girl, I still think she fucked up. Yeah. It's like their legacy's already fucked up. The fact that we're even in this, like, oh, we either have to hope that the Dems have got enough grit and to fight the republicans because they literally are like we're doing this tomorrow they're not playing yeah, they're not playing. They, those are those girls so we either have to hope the dims can rally enough grit to fight them um or hold them off until the election or we have to hope people come out like it's a bunch of hope it's built it's a bunch hope. of hope and yeah. i think that already makes it that's not it like yeah. if we're literally hoping that our democracy is going to continue that means you already fucked up, girl. She fucked up. This is up. not. This yeah. is not an aberration. She you're not, put us. You're now this... making this. You're putting us at a crisis. She put us at a crisis. Yeah, at a crisis level. She really put us in a terrible place to be scared. Is is LGBT people? Is people of color? Women? Like we are all scared because this could be the end of so many of our rights. And just because she wanted to stay on the court, she didn't want to be told to retire in 2014. She fucked because she didn't want to get her ass up out of the seat and go home. And I said, and I said that back then in 2014. Why isn't she retiring? I said it back then. I'm saying it yeah. now. Oh she fucked God. up. Oh she God. fucked up. Oh and we we might offend some girls. We might offend some white women. But I will say this: I there are some great white women out there, of course. But a lot of times, <laughs> white women disappoint us. And this was one case where she fucking disappointed us. She did. 
Can't say anything better. Um, so we're gonna be watching this one, girls. Um, so stay tuned. Stay um, tuned. Yeah. That's our special edition show. Y'all know what it is. Follow us on social media where we'll be lamenting the end of our democracy at Two <laughs> yeah, Queens. Yeah. Um sorry girls, we had to get it real this time um but our normally scheduled wednesday show is going to be a treat we have some guests on so she is not as heavy as this show so i think you will it'll be a nice palate cleanser before we get back to our regularly scheduled episodes um don't forget to read us and review us um i hope y'all stay healthy safe i don't know i did this backwards safe healthy and saved and mentally strong um it's hard out there girls um call people check in with people um, and, and donate take, to take senate, step away from social media yeah but donate to senate democrats too who are running or running for re-election or you know running for election uh against republican incumbents make sure you know vote save america has a huge platform where they're raising money for potential senate democrats vote to joe biden kamala harris girl we you know donate this is the volunteer time. this is a time aoc said it best you cannot be, you cannot idly stand by at this time. You really need mm. to be a part of democracy now. Stop bullshitting. Mm. Is that the final word, girl? That's the final word, yes. All right. Okay. See y'all on Wednesday. Bye, girls. Mm-hmm.